Welcome to episode 28. On the show today, I'm joined by Dr. Edward Ziff, OBE, DL, Chairman and Chief Executive of Town Centre Securities. Following a very happy childhood mixed with boarding school, Edward opens up on his journey into owning a company with £325 million worth of assets becoming a Deputy Lieutenant for the County of West Yorkshire, and why he became Chairman of Leeds Cares following the diagnosis of his son with leukaemia. We discuss his OBE, meeting Princess Anne, spending the night with Prince Charles in Dumfries House, and having the pleasure of meeting the Queen. Edward has far too many successes to discuss them all in this podcast, but you can't help but be inspired by his generosity, openness, and eye for a good deal. Enjoy. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Uh, We are live on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube. Today, I have uh, Edward Ziff with me, Chairman and Chief Executive of Town Centre Securities. How are you, Edward? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's great to have you here. Um, Yet, just to to remind you... Shouldn't you say say that at the end? (laughs) Well, say it at the end and the the, uh, beginning. Uh, um, just to remind everyone, uh, as I was saying, we are live on LinkedIn. If you've got any questions for Edward, feel free to pop them in the comments and I'll try and introduce them. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, thanks for being here and listening. That's It's great to have you here. So, Edward, tell me, you, you were born in Leeds. Tell me just sort of, you know, the story give me a bit of a, a a quick story on how you've got to where you are and where you and what you start where you started you went to leeds uni as well is that I right did. i did yeah um, and 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 you went to what college did, did, I, did i see on your cv you went to um uh, bristol yeah i went away to, to boarding school something i never forgave my parents for um tom brown school days and all that um yeah it was uh a rude awakening. My wife tells me, thank God I did go there because she said I would have been the most spoiled, horrible person had I not had some sort of uh, disadvantage in my life. But listen, I'm, I make no bones about it. I have had a very uh, privileged life. My uh, parents were uh, successful, uh, reasonably affluent, um, and uh, came both came from high achieving families. Um, and I had a, a, a very wonderful start in life. Um, and um, I came from a very loving home. Um, the only thing I could find to pick fault at my parents' parenting was the fact that they sentenced me to five years away at boarding school. Um, but apart from that, um, what I remember of, of my childhood was, was all very happy. And, and, you know, you look back in sepia and, 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 and there's nothing that stands out as being particularly unpleasant. Let's put it like that. So was was that an all was it an all boys boarding school? It was. It yeah. was an all boys boarding school. It was a, I found it a pretty brutal existence. Um, a lot of the time. So Clifton College was it was a it was a traditional English boarding school. Uh, it had a, one one house was for Jewish pupils. Um, so I attended uh, that house. Um, there were quite a few kids in 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 the house who came from broken homes and. I have to say, I have a few memories of thinking, I wonder what was going on at home, but um, there was nothing like that going on. And in, in, in my parents were a very together couple from, from ever since, from right from when I started and my early memories all the way through to when my dad passed away and, and my mum, thankfully, is still, still with us today. But um, I have only happy memories of, of my childhood. Um, and, and that's you know something that I've tried to replicate with my own children, if I'm being honest. So you went to Leeds Uni and you studied um, 
Well, you came out with a Doctor of Business uh, Administration. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I came out, of Leeds, I came, came out of Leeds University with nothing. I, after a year, um, I thought I was wasting my time. I think the examiners probably thought I was wasting my time as well. Um, I was studying economics and politics. And, and the best thing that happened to me during my uh, year at Leeds University was I think I got my golf handicap down from 24 to 8. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I'd I was reacquainting myself with Leeds, actually, because I'd been away at boarding school and I was just desperate to come home and uh, made a lot of friends quite quickly, um, summer school friends to, the, to this day. Um, and um, I didn't last the course. Um, my qualifications I have are not really uh, for me to use, to be honest. Uh, it was an honorary doc doctorate I was given at, at Leeds Beckett University. Um, uh, a, um, a, a doctorate of business administration and, and I do put it out there but I probably shouldn't so particularly when I compare myself with my son who is a, a proper doctor a medical doctor <laughs> and, and what he had to do to do to get his doctorate was was a, a lot more uh, intricate and involved than mine so and, so, yeah. and have you managed to improve the uh, the golf score this year with a bit more free time on your hands I haven't had free time on my hands have you, have you not uh, I've, I have found since March, since lockdown, um, I, I found it incredibly demanding. Um, you have Zoom calls from, from morning till night. What I have done this, since lockdown, I thought it was quite funny. I turned 60 in April and I thought it was quite a funny thing to say that if I was going to catch COVID, I needed to catch it before the 7th of April because after the 9th of April, my prognosis was not going to be so good. And I thought that was very funny until about the 10th of April when I thought, hmm, this isn't very funny anymore. So I decided to exercise properly and vigorously every day. And uh, so I do five miles of something every day, um, either on the treadmill or go out for a walk. And uh, I've lost weight. I feel loads better. And, and it was just determination to ensure that if, God forbid, you catch this horrible virus, uh, I think if you're a fitter person, you've got a better chance of succeeding with it. So um, that takes up the first couple of hours of my morning. I say my morning prayers every morning. I, I do my exercise and my day gets started at about 10 o'clock. And, and there are many days when you don't even have time for lunch and, and you've got Zoom call after Zoom call and, and, and you look at the clock and it's six o'clock at night and you think, where's that gone? And then you finish the evening and you've still got 150 emails to, to, to reply to. Um, and I found it incredibly busy, actually, um, so much so that when it was warmer weather, um, I do try and get a game of golf on a Friday afternoon. I try and play on a Sunday morning if I can. And it didn't quite happen like that. I do ensure that when I switch my computer off on a Friday evening, I don't switch it on again until the earliest on Sunday morning, because I think it's a good thing to have a day away from it. And that's not a religious observance thing. I think it's just good sense to, to not be doing the same thing every day because, you know, you need to, to have variety. So um, I haven't played as much golf as I'd liked, and, 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 and now it's wet and miserable. That's the last thing I want to do is to play golf and paddle around in the mud. So, Well, I wanted to just tap into something you mentioned then around the uh, coming back to your desk and having 150 emails. Well, how do you deal with, with email? I mean, we are inundated with emails do, do you find that you you have to sort of go back to them or, or once you've opened it you just delete it what what's well, your there are people tackling are, the there, inbox there are people who are I was just looking there are people who are far better at it than me um i like to finish the day with less than 50 emails in my inbox every day um and those are either reminders or whatever and, and you know if people are waiting for answers they're waiting for answers and they needed to answer them um some of it's rubbish some of it's just circular stuff um, but I do get quite obsessed about it. Yeah, I think I do as well. Uh, and, it, and you know, it's silly because because some of it is rubbish, but but some of it's a really it's an important way to communicate. So um... we've we've got someone on Facebook uh, saying you've clearly had many successful achievements to be proud of, and 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 I will be going into a lot of them today. Um, but he's put um, or he or she because I can't see who it is. Uh, but surely top of the list has to be addressing the community from the hallowed turf at Ellen Road last week. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, it, it was just amazing to be at Ellen Road for the first time. I think the last time I went was when we beat Huddersfield in March. Um, for, for the home game the week before or 10 days before we went into to, to lockdown. Um, 
we um, so I'm very close to Hazan uh, uh, Albi Chait at, at the UHC synagogue in Leeds, and he rang me about six weeks ago, and he said he's thinking about doing this project, lighting up Leeds. What did I think? So I said, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Anything, you know, we're all looking for things to do. You know, watching television night after night and wasting our time. Anything different is is a nice thing to do. And he said. Um, so have you got any good ideas where to go? So I said, yeah, I've got some ideas. I don't know whether you think that they're good. I said, um, um, you know, the obvious places are, you know, the front steps of Harewood House. Um, my office here in Leeds looks out across at the LGI. And um, I said, if I could get you on the roof of, on the helicopter pad at LGI, how about that? Um, I said, the Grand Theatre is amazing. Um, I said, you know, how about being on the, being on the pitch at Ellen Road? He said, what for a game? I said, well, I don't think, I don't know whether you'll get, get selected. But, um, and it went from there and, and, and Aldi's got fantastic drive and, and, and determination. And, um, and I got him into some of those places and, and I think it was very well received. And, and being on the pitch at Ellen Road was a thrill, you know. Um, I got a message from, 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 I don't know, Lucy Manning, who, who works for, for BBC News. And she sent me a message whilst I was there, the lengths you'll get to go on the pitch at Ellen Road sort of thing. Um, but it, yeah, it was amazing to, to be there. They have those sort of um, rigs that they have, which, which is a bit like a big solarium where, where you know, they grow the pitch at night, you know, from, for, with, with the, the lights. And, and I just wondered if I sort of stripped off and put some sun cream on, whether I might come out <laughs> with, with a tan. But yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Leeds United were incredibly generous in, in, in letting us in. We reckoned it was the first time that Hanukkah candles have ever been lit on the pitch of a, of a football pitch in the Premier League. So, um. I think it was great. I followed it every <laughs> evening. And and the places, I mean, you know, on the stage at the Grand, as you say, and he was in the uh, iconic Marion Centre as well. Uh, sure. You know, great, some great places, really, really clever ideas. And fantastically well followed. I mean, by the end of the week, I think he had the thick end of 20,000 observers on, on, on Facebook, you know. Wow. Uh, amazing, amazing. Wow. Uh, so, um, so, so you did the business administration. You then tell me, uh, you, I mean, you, you're from a family of retailers. You're from a family of entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, and um, you know the likes of Pennywise, uh, the likes of uh, of Stylo. What would just tell me how you sort of some of the businesses that you worked for? So before I, you... I, um, I, I left university early. Um, I got a job working, um, doing a part-time uh, degree, a day a week, um, in uh, land economy and surveying, uh, and got a job with a firm of estate agents in Leeds, who in those days were well-known, a company called Heppel Watson. Um, and I was paid the princely sum of 10 quid a week. And I remember going to see John Hepper after the first month, when I think I'd clocked up about 80 quid in, in petrol bills. Um, and I was being paid 10 quid a week. And I said, um, you know, is there anything I can do with these? And he said, yes, you can pay them. And I said, well, you know, can't I claim them back? He said, no, that's not the deal. We pay you 10 pounds a week. And, um, and I just thought it was just a ridiculous thing to be doing. And I, and, and I went to, to well, a, this day release thing, uh, it actually was at Leeds Poly in, in those days. And I found it totally uninspiring totally uninspiring and, and having left Leeds University I then was back at the same place leaving you know a, a part-time course that I'd signed up for and, and um, I remember going to see my uncle and, uh, who I was very close to my father's youngest brother Paul um, and he said oh well forget that he said come and have some fun with me so uh, literally I, the, the following Monday I think I started working at Styler Matchmakers which was the sports division of, of, of of Stylo Barrett shoes in those days. And um, at the time, so this is the early 1980s, um, Leeds United were a great team, Celtic were a great team, Liverpool were a great team. And those four teams, those three teams, I think had won, just won the four uh, titles in, 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 in the UK. They'd won the league, uh, Liverpool, Leeds won the league, Liverpool the cup, uh, Celtic, I think the Scottish double again or whatever. And they used to run this thing, the choice of champions. And, I remember going once to, to, to meet Steve Highway and Kevin Keegan with, with my uncle. Um, and just amazing, you know, I was like, a, you know, a, a kid in a sweet shop. And um, 
and similarly, they were very involved in, in, in golf merchandise. And, and I remember working at the British Open on the Stylo stand and, and, and similarly, you know, seeing some of these golfing greats of, of, of that time. And it just was tremendous fun. So much so, I think my father thought or was worried that I might become sort of some playboy and might enjoy myself too much and work too little. And he came home one day and he said, well, that's enough of that. You're going to go work in a proper shop. And I got sentenced to a year. Well, I don't think it turned out. It was probably six months working in Pennywise Workshop branch, which... Right. I mean, I know retail's miserable today, but Worksop was a bloody miserable place. And if any of your listeners are, are from Worksop, I apologise. But um, me coming from North Leeds, this this prince who had been, you know, brought up with with um, just about everything that he ever expected or needed, uh, suddenly to be thrust into this environment, I found that very difficult too. And um, I did that for about six months. Um, the Pennywise business was growing very quickly. Um, and I mean, I often think back and, and I wish as a family maybe that we'd kept the discount business and sold the footwear business because um, at its time it was a forerunner. Uh, at the time, two great guys from North Leeds, uh, Stephen Fernley and Paul Appel, were just starting the pound stretcher business with Phil Harris. Um, and that went on to be a, you know, a mammoth business. Um, and, and we've had other ones that have since started, like Home Bargains, B&M, none of them were about in those days. And yet we were in that business. and, and um, I think could have been hugely successful at it. As it happened, Phil Harris came along and bought Pennywise and put it together with his power stretcher business. Um, and at that time, that was when I decided that uh, I fancied the idea of being in the property business. And, and my dad suggested I came and worked for, for one or two of his senior colleagues here at Town Centre. And I've never left. Um, so I think I've been here 38 years. Um, and it's gone in a flash. You know, when I think back over the 38 years, I was very blessed. Dad had two fantastic uh, lieutenants in the business. He had a guy called David Whitehead, who was a grumpy Yorkshireman, but just the most <laughs> fantastic mentor that uh, I, I didn't realize at the time, but he became one of my greatest friends in business. I'm still in touch with him today, still, you know, not that, a bit frail now, but um, uh, David was just an amazing teacher and he, he taught me a lot of what I know about property. Um, he had a colleague called Peter Warrington, who was the finance director here at Town Centre. Uh, Peter sadly passed away, actually in the summer, on the same day, coincidentally, as Michael Paul, who I used to work with at Styler Matchmaker. Um, they both passed away on the, on the same day in June. And um, Peter, again, was just a fantastic guy and, and incredibly patient with me. And, and the two of them together sort of groomed me for, if that's not an inappropriate word to, to use, um, for running this business and and um uh, in the early years when i think back it was it was well it's still a lot of fun um not in the same way as it was then i, I think you know young and naive you look at things very differently and you get shaped by success and failure and and, and um, um you know so someone asked me my successes i don't really remember a lot of those i remember the worst deal i ever did which was to buy a um a, a, a piece of property on a road called Iverson Road in West Hampstead in London. Um, and we made a, we paid a million pounds for this piece of, of land that we were going to do a residential develop, development on. And I think it, it's virtually impossible to do this with property, but we paid a million quid for it and I lost a million quid on the deal. And it was a great, wow. it was, it was very painful, but it was a great, um, a, a great experience because you, I think you learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And um, some of the things I did were foolish. Some of the things I did were too hurried. And, you know, I accepted other people's opinions too quickly and too readily and trusted anybody. Um, and those are all things that, you know, young people, you know, they've got to experience the, the mistake for themselves. It's, you know, my, my oldest son is, is in the business with me. He runs our car park business. And, you know, if I tell him, you know, Benji, don't do this, don't do that, it's almost an invitation that that's what he wants to do. And, and I try very different things that, you know, my father was quite, quite strict with me, um, gave me, it gave me the opportunity, um, but he didn't give me any special treatment or I didn't feel he gave me any special treatment. Um, and I try and stand away from Benj and, and let him do what he does in his own space. But um, you, you learn from those, you learn from, from those mistakes and, um, you learn to, to 
how to trust people better when you've had bad experiences. You learn how to to do all sorts of things from bad experiences. So um, that's a bit of a long answer to a, a, yeah. a quick question. Yeah. No, no, I mean, uh, but I can relate so much to the the whole thing of you've got to go through these mistakes to really understand how the world works, and and uh, and 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 you're right, you can't just tell someone what to do with the deal that went wrong. What was what was the key thing that that? Why did you lose the million? What was the the key reason for so it? So it's overlooked the rail. I don't know if you know West Hampstead, but but um, the main I've forgotten the name. Is it North End Road in in, in West Hampstead? But the main high street. Um, is dominated with a bridge that goes over the railway line and the railway station and it was just beyond the railway station was the land and and, and that's where we were going to build this residential and in those days um whatever you built next to a railway line you need to you needed to agree with rail track what you were going to well you still need to agree with rail track what you're going to do and i was promised that we would get planning consent for i don't know 100 units in a tower but block or whatever it was and and, and i think we ended up getting consent for about 20. And, and, oh wow <laughs> a, bit of a, a bit of a difference and, and 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 you're not allowed to have so many windows overlooking a railway the, the, all the regulations and now of course i know all that you know i've never made the same mistake but uh, i was the, the i was the the, the glomp that they found that the that paid too much money for it and um so yeah the, those are things you learn very quickly um i'd have preferred not to have learned it it was expensive you know i think that was probably the most expensive. That was the worst deal I think I've ever done. And I've done some stummers in my life. <laughs> but, but that was that was the standout where you lose 100% of your investment. So <laughs> can we move on? It's a bit painful. You can't, you can't beat that one, can you? Uh, it was it was Ben Lyons that was asking the question earlier about the football. Uh, uh, the name didn't appear. And we've also got uh, Anthony Padmore saying hello and someone else on Facebook uh, that's saying hello, Johnny and Edward. Um, Edward, when you first joined Town Centre Securities, those sort of 38 years ago, what I mean, now Town Centre Securities, the assets are, are worth, I think, 325 million. What, what do you yeah. think the assets were worth when you first joined 38 years ago? If you had to sort probably of about 700 yeah. probably about 725 million maybe all <laughs> oh, right okay <laughs> you, you know the old story how do you how do you get a small fortune when you start with a big one maybe <laughs> um i guess we were worth probably about 50 60 million quid in those days um, wow something of that order. so in those days that was a huge amount then oh it was a big business it, it was yeah. a, a big business it was a growing business um i mean i think back to some of the best deals i did i, I bought um, uh, the old Elida Gibbs factory on Whitehall Road um, and um, turned it into a car park and we've obviously been developing, we developed a, a Premier Inn and uh, number one Whitehall on, on the on the site and then sold a bit at the other end. Um, I think that that was probably one of the best deals I did. I bought a garage on Great Ancoat Street in Manchester known as Hills Garage from, from the administrator um, and um, I bought a collection of, of, of second-hand, I say collection, it, it was no collection, of second-hand cars with this thing, and, and set about selling the cars. And, and the site that we've assembled in Manchester is, is, is incredibly valuable. Um, so we've got 17 acres, literally just adjoining Piccadilly Station. Um, we've just finished an, a 90-unit residential development in, in partnership with the Leeds firm. Um, uh, uh, the building's called Burlington House. We've done a retail development where we've got Go Outdoors, Marks and Spencers, Aldi and Pure Gym on the site. I mean, that's been a hugely lucrative uh, development for us. Uh, we've sold bits and, and, and built bits. We've, we've built a, an office building on the site, which is the UK headquarters for an uh, international architectural practice called the Building Design Partnership. Um, it's just been a, a really interesting scheme and, and actually the opportunities that that has brought um, not only financial but 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 social as well one of i count amongst my, some of my best friends howard bernstein the leader of manchester council um who um i remember going to see him when when you know we were struggling to get planning consent and and howard was just the most dynamic amazing local authority leader that you'd probably ever come across and, and he's now a personal friend and um, um, got you know, I, you know I've had the opportunity from from who, who I work with to have some amazing connections and, and um, you know that's a blessed existence because 
you know, Howard Bernstein doesn't return everybody's phone calls. I know he's very good at what he does. Um, but that sort of thing is, is, is part of the joy of, of what I've been able to do over, over my working life is to be able to mix with people who um, are certainly far more talented than me. Um, but, you know, are just incredibly um, imaginative and, 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 and dynamic people that you can't help but, but, but learn from and, 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 and experience with some, and, and, and those opportunities that, that come with those are, are, are amazing. Well, the, 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 they say you need to mix with uh, not just positive people, but also people that, you know, entrepreneurial people that sort of are, are not above, that's not the right word, but, you know, that, that have experienced more things and, and, and learnt more lessons. And, and that's one of the best ways to grow a business, to surround yourself with these people and to, to learn from these people. Well, talking of mixing with people, we were talking earlier, you've, you've, you've mixed with a fair few royals, haven't you? Yeah, now again, I mean, that comes from the sort of charitable stuff, which was very much imbued in me by my, by my parents, by my mother and father, who both had uh, huge sort of philanthropic um, uh, ambitions and, 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 and attitudes. Um, so obviously the, the thing that was, was nearest and dearest to my heart uh, was the Leeds Jewish Welfare Board, where I was president for nine years. Um, again, I think I was very fortunate. Um, that a lot of people tell me you need to find someone better to take over from you uh, and, and start looking early just in case of the thing. Um, and I was privileged to work with some amazing people, both um, uh, paid colleagues um, and, and trustees. And, um, Sheila Saunders taught me an awful lot about, about communal work. Um, and she was an amazing, amazing person. Uh, but some of my fellow trustees were, were amazing, and, and um, I can think of a few, but, but I ended up ultimately handing over to my friend Russell Manning, um, who, who has taken the Welfare Board onto a whole new level, and, and uh, with some of the same trustees, with some new ones. Um, and, and that was a great learning point. Um, when I finished at the Welfare Board about five years ago, um, it coincided with my youngest son, um, Jacob, going five years out of treatment from leukemia. And um, I thought it was appropriate to say thank you. Um, and not just in a way of writing out a check because it's very hard to do with the NHS, that sort of stuff anyway. Um, so I decided to apply for and became chairman of what was then known as the Leeds Teaching Hospital Charitable Foundation. And um, that has been an amazing experience. That has been amazing. I, I, uh, D and I fell in love with the NHS when they saved Jacob's life. Um, so to us, it's not a new thing. It was actually there, I say, 500 weeks ago last Friday that Jacob was diagnosed. It was May the 20th, uh, 2011. So it's just coming up for 10 years uh, next May. And the people that we it's, that it's, looked after him. It's beautiful. Were, that you count, it's, sorry, it's beautiful that you count the weeks as well. Uh, and, yeah, and having, some people tell me I shouldn't do that. But. No, I, I like it. And and, and having uh, had a, a child with a, a heart condition and and needed the NHS, I can I completely uh, I completely get it. Uh, and and uh, you know I, I think it's a nice thing. Sorry, you you were saying. But but the the people. What I saw. I mean, I would have been before that the, the person at Roundy Hall. Um, if I needed something done, I would have been in a private room with Sky Television and spoke to Um <laughs> What what um, what th this taught us was that what you need around you are the people that can, can care and, and, and that yeah. are available. And it was easy for me to say it um, when he wanted people to stay. He it was his mum who stayed with him. I didn't spend one night with him in hospital. Um, Dee was in and out, you know, all the time. Uh, but I went with him to all the appointments. I went with every time he got chemo. I went with. Um, and what I saw were people who, you know, cared. These were people who didn't mind, you know, cleaning up and, and, and literally cleaning up mess. Um, and they always did it with a smile on their face. It was just a huge, huge learning experience. And I think it changed me. I think it changed me. I think it changed Jacob. Um, but the important thing I thought was to say thank you. And, and in answer to your question about royalty, um, through that, certainly, has, has thrust me into a place of, of, of 
meeting royalty regularly. And, and um, before you go in, before you go into the royalty though, so he's he's now twenty three. He's fully recovered from uh, leukemia. Yeah. Um, the the for Leeds Care, just tell Leeds Care. Sorry, just tell me uh, a bit more about uh, what you're involved in there. That's um, and 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 what you're sort of the, the problems that you've got. The, th the what you're trying to so, achieve with Leeds so, Care. Leeds uh, Care. The, Le the Leeds Ch Teaching Hospitals Charitable Foundation, the original thing, was a, a big charity. It had £50 million of assets, um, and it was a grant-giving organisation. But, but I went to my first trustee meeting, and there wasn't even the, the F word on, on, on the agenda. Fundraising just never, ever appeared, appeared there. And I, I was gobsmacked. I was gobsmacked. And uh, I remember going to a meeting early on where they were asked to replace the robotic uh, the the robot to do laparoscopic surgery for kids and the guy in charge with his half own glasses basically dismissed this consultant out the door and, and and sent him away with his tail between his legs and and, and i was gobsmacked um and he needed a million quid to replace this piece of kit and it's it's it, this is keyhole surgery this is this is right at the cutting edge um of, of getting better outcomes, getting quicker recoveries, getting, that saves the NHS a fortune, people are in hospital less time. Um, and this guy just dismissed him. And, and I thought, if I'm gonna change one thing here, we're gonna be a fundraising charity. And, and, and that's what we're becoming. Um, we, our legacy portfolio of investments, uh, we've helped the NHS, we've given quite a lot of that money away now. And, and uh, in order to, well, in order to get Leeds well positioned, in order to get the grant that they were given to go ahead with the new children's hospital. So uh, our latest fundraising challenge is that we are, we are tasked with raising 35 million pounds towards the fit out of the new children's hospital. This is the Leeds way you might've heard of, um, is the problem, is, is sort of the headline name for it. And, and um, ultimately the whole of the LGI site is going to be rebuilt. Um, and, and they are literally just started on site with the first diggers uh, demolishing the nurses' home. And, and I mean, it's just amazing. And, and, and from top to bottom, inside to out, uh, the Leeds NHS has been an amazing turnaround under the leadership of Julian Hartley and, and Linda Pollard. Um, it's become a sort of exemplar of, 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 of the NHS. It, it's now running at break even or near, well, it was prior to COVID. I'm not sure the impact of COVID would have been quite dramatic, but, um, and, and we, we are blessed with having the Countess of Wessex as our, as our patron, and she is just amazing. She is just amazing, and I've got to know her quite well over the last four or five years. Um, and there isn't anything that's, that's too much trouble. Um, the first time I went to meet her in her office at Buckingham Palace was quite an interesting experience because um, I wasn't sure what to say and, and a bit tongue tied or whatever. And, um, I was told by the person who went with me, you need to be really careful about talking about fundraising. And um, she put me straight away at my ease. She said, you know, I'll tell you if you go too far. Um, and I'll even tell you if you're not going far enough sort of thing. And uh, she was just, a, she, she has offered us the use of her home in, in Bagshot. She's offered us that we can use any of the London palaces as, as for event to hold events. Um, so with that sort of um, uh, help and patronage, you know, you, you, in a, if it's a handicap race, you're, you should be at the front to start with and um, all royalty are amazing at that. Um, I was quite involved uh, with the Prince's Regeneration Trust um, and got to, I met Prince Charles quite a few times, um, who is also amazing. I mean, he, his, his drive and passion around uh, regenerating buildings is, is phenomenal and his knowledge is unbelievable. He owns a pottery business and I remember talking to him about it because it wasn't making any money and he was asking advice how to deal with it and he, he asked me to explain the the, uh, the, the concept of a pre-pack with him and i mean the idea that a member of the royal family the heir to our throne is confronted <laughs> with doing a, a an insolvency pre-pack sort of arrangement uh, i sort of i said to him i said you're gonna have to excuse me i've got to hold my head here because this is just too good he said why do you think it's any different for me than it is for you so yeah. I said, well, because you shouldn't have to deal with the likes of a Hilco turnaround specialist or whoever it was that they would have been recommended. You know, just, and, and when I say, you know, I've been blessed, these are just things that you sort of got to most pick.
pinch yourself to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm there talking to Prince Charles about a bloody prepack. You know, that's <laughs> um, crazy. And um, but you know, what did he do? He bought a, a he bought a, a, a pottery business in in, in Stoke. Um, there was a massive housing shortage in that particular vicinity. Um, he took a factory, shrunk it down to, into about an eighth of the buildings, turned the rest into to, you know, very modern, interesting design uh, housing. And then but it was all sold off and everything. And, but then he was left with the pottery business. And, and um, you know, just amazing. And, and I remember that was at the time when Jacob was poorly, that that was going on. And, you know, when I had conversations with him, you know, the first thing he'd ask me, you know, how's your son doing? Um, and you think, who's told him? How does he know? What does he just remember? And I don't know whether he remembers or he just had someone very clever who was briefing him. But you could tell they have empathy, they have understanding. You know, some of them aren't so clever, but but I've got to say I'm hugely impressed with with those men. I've, I've met I've met Prince Charles most, the Countess of Wessex, a lot, Princess Anne two or three times, and and all three of them are are the real deal. You. You were invited to uh, Prince Charles uh, Dumfries' house in Ayrshire. Yeah. Um, so that was, there were, there were four couples who were invited. Um, and um, we stayed overnight in, 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 in his hunting lodge. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Had dinner with, with him and, and uh, the Duchess of Cornwall. Um, quite difficult to understand what she says. Um, <laughs> if you put three out or three grapes in your mouth and try talking with them maybe but um just an amazing evening there were a couple of of, of people from the press there um and again just a fantastic experience and and those are things that money can't buy really you know and and you've also uh, met the queen uh, two or three times uh, and this this wasn't even through receiving uh, the queen's birthday honor uh, the OBE that you got for the services to the uh, economy and community. Uh, you met her separately to that. So yeah. tell me about the, the meetings with the, the Queen. So uh, one was at the 350th anniversary of the Jewish community um, in the UK. So that was when Oliver Cromwell let the Jews back in in the 1650s or whatever. Um, and... Um, uh, she and the Duke of Edinburgh together, um, which was a very nice event. And I met her most, the most recent was at the- Leeds um, Arena. At the Leeds Arena, at the, at the topping out ceremony. And I remember she asked me, what can you tell me about this part of Leeds? And it sort of put me on the spot. <laughs> and, you know, well, one thing I did reckon is don't um and just say what you say and they'll never bother checking whether you're correct or not. So, um, but, you know, she's, she's a, you look at her and you think, you know, she's only a little lady and, you know, got this porcelain coloured uh, skin and, and just, you know, you look and you sort of think, wow. <laughs> you, you, um, so you were presented by uh, Princess Anne for your OBE. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about uh, receiving your OBE. Well, the two things that the, the standout memories I was told um, you only get two, two, you get a spouse and two spare tickets. So I was told if you ring, you might get an extra one. So I rang cabinet office and I said, how much do you get for these three tickets on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> and the lady said to me, oh, don't do that. You can't do that. I said, well, I've got a problem because I, my wife obviously wants to come and I've got four kids and I've only got two tickets. So I don't know which two to fall out with. Can you help me? She said, oh, well, if you don't tell anybody, we'll give you four tickets. Oh, wow. And so I was told, get there early. And uh, the two standout memories was, so we got there early and then your family get to sit right at the front. Um, wow. I got taken off to a separate room where I was in the same list um, as um, David Walliams. Oh, wow. David Williams, as he was on the list. Um, and anyhow, the kids went off and they told me this story later that because um, they were first in, um, Jacob wanted to sit by the aisle. So there's two blocks of seats that go, go, go back. And, and um, he wanted to sit on the seat nearest the aisle. And the equ Royal Equerry or, or whatever who, was, who was, was seating everyone down wanted to seat them in the first five seats as they walked in, not 
further along the road. So he went to sit further along the road and the equerry said, excuse me, young man, you're sitting here. And Jacob said to him, no, I want to sit here. And he turned to Jacob and he's apparently, I wasn't there. He said, today is a do as you're told day, not a do as you want day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so we obviously never let Jacob forget that. But um, the, the best thing was, um, so you look around and you see if you recognize anybody. And I obviously recognize David Williams. And um, they assemble you by order that you're given. So um, the knights and, and the, 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 uh, they go first and then the CBEs goes next. And I didn't know what he, or, or what honor he was getting. And um, the next one, we're getting OBEs. And then David Walliam's name's called out. So he goes, and I'm thinking, W, how many X and Ys are there going to be, right? And there weren't any. So I was literally next to David Walliam's in the queue to get my OBE. <laughs> And I had this 15-minute conversation with him, which was just amazing, right? And he chatted to me, me chatting to him. And then you stand in line, and then you go to get your honour. Literally, you go and you bow and whatever. And as he was about to go, he turned round and he said to me, just remember, Edward, the only honour worth having are the ones that come before your name, right? Which I thought was quite a funny thing. And I start laughing, then it's my turn to go. <laughs> and... And that was it. And, and then I was invited to Variety Club, had their uh, 50th anniversary party at Buckingham Palace last summer, summer before COVID. And um, David Walliams was their guest of honour. And um, there was a cocktail party in, 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 in Buckingham Palace. And then you get to look around and, and, and then off we go. And as we're leaving, Dee and I were leaving, I see David Walliams standing there with his mum. And I went over to David Walliams and I said, the last time I came to Buckingham Palace, he said, you followed me to get my OBE. <laughs> and I said to him, that's amazing that you remember that, David. He, I said, you must meet hundreds of people. He said, I do, but I've only had one OBE. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> and, and amazing, you know, just a little tale. That's, I hope no, it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love it. Um, and... and uh, Sticking on this this sort of royal theme for 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 a moment, um, your deputy uh, lieutenant for the the county of West Yorkshire. Yeah. How, how did that come about? And and what I didn't realise, we were just chatting earlier. I didn't realise the term. I mean, you're you're in it for what twelve years. Um, I guess if you're younger when you're appointed, you can be longer. So um, I don't know. Still, I've heard now that the term is only I think for five years, but but that's quite a recent thing. Um, so now, the, now it might have changed, but before that, um, you are have to be available to do what's asked of you until you're seventy, and then you go onto right. a B list if you're ever asked. Um, so there are a few things that you're expected to do, um, regardless. So Remembrance Sunday is is something that's a big thing for the lieutenancy. Um, so any parish church, any synagogue, anything, anybody who wants to do a a, a, a poppy presentation of some description um, will almost definitely get a, a member of the lieutenancy coming to attend and um, ideally in the uniform um, but if not then then without um, so that's something uh, last um, November uh, 14 months ago um, I was asked if I'd like to uh, lay the wreath on the pitch at Ellen Road um, on the Saturday uh, of the day of the game that, that, that uh, is nearest to Every club does one of these, depending on it's the day before Remembrance Sunday or a week before Remembrance Sunday. So that was a huge thrill, actually, um, do, doing Ellen Road last year. And, and um, I've been to a couple of... I actually haven't officiated yet at a, uh, at a, a British Citizenship Award ceremony, uh, but I think I'm told that... Well, the ones I've attended, um, they're very special for the recipients who have been given their British citizenship. And... and um, uh, and, and those are amazing. Um, uh, what else have I been asked to do? Uh, I've been on a couple of school visits um, where you just ask to get, you go in your uniform and you're asked to explain. Um, the, the royal visits, by and large, are, are, are taken by either the Lord Lieutenant, who now is Ed Anderson, um, or, his, uh, or his deputy, Lord Lieutenant. Um, so... It's unlikely that a deputy lieutenant would ever be asked to be, do a royal visit. Uh, okay. if it were, but 
but in any event, I have to say I'm, I've been quite lucky in that regard anyway. So, yeah, um, you know, I don't think these are things you should be greedy with. How did it come about? I, I was very friendly with Ingrid Roscoe, who sadly passed away just a few months ago. Um, she had a, a stroke and, and passed away. Ingrid was Ed Anderson's predecessor. And uh, I was appointed just as, as she retired. Um, and I think that's how, how it came about. Um, and listen, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely thing. It's, it's a nice thing to be acknowledged. Um, but, you know, I think one of those things maybe not to be taken too seriously, if dare I say. Uh, right. It's an important office, but, um, yep. you know, uh, it is what it is. But it's nice to have some fun with it too. Town. Yeah, and, and, and all these things, all these things that I do, I have to say that, in, almost without exception, the people that you come across are lovely people, and, and nice people who are have have good ethics, good standards, and, and they're a pleasure to meet and be with. Whether it's the hospital, yeah. the lieutenancy, um, the, all of the things that I do, and, and, and again, that's been a huge blessing for me. I mean, you were saying you were only on a, a Zoom call with uh, with the Countess of Wessex only a, a week or two ago with Leeds Cares. What what does yeah. happen on a Zoom call with with you and Sophie? Um, for, well, it's quite. <laughs> I'm sitting in my office in Leeds, and you can see behind me there. Um, <laughs> it's a great view of the. Well, it's all reflection because it's dark outside. And she said, "So I've got a yucca plant here." And she said, "Are you sitting in Hawaii?" <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not sitting in Hawaii. She said, well, the sunset's amazing and you've got some tropical plants there. So I took the, the, I took the, the iPad over and I showed her the view of the town hall. I said, this is Leeds City Centre at sunset. She said, it's amazing. She said, better than my, the view out of my office. And she turned the, the thing around to show me what her, you know, she was sitting in her office at Bagshot Hall. <laughs> and, I mean, we were planning our fundraising. We, we were planning our fundraising activities for the for the coming year, um, which she's incredibly supportive of. Um, we're planning to have a clay pigeon shoot in, in the grounds of Bagshot Hall. She's offered us uh, to have a dinner um, at Buckingham Palace. And if Buckingham Palace isn't available, one of the other London palaces. Um, she's offered to come to Leeds a couple of times in the next 12 months. She said she likes to come once a year to all the charities where she's a patron. Um, but because she hasn't done one this year, she said she'll, she'll, do, she'll try and do two next year for us. Um, you're not supposed to ask for people for money in front of royalty, which is... Um, but you know, I think it's understood, and, and, and she certainly recognises that's the reason and the around this stuff. Um, <laughs> and and um, I mean, just for someone who, I mean, she, she has a marketing background, I think, and, and oh, does she? is hugely switched on to, to how people are. Um, and, and, and that makes life a lot easier than if they were a bit stuffy and stodgy, but um, she's, she's just incredibly helpful. So. I wanted to get on to uh, town centre securities and um, I mean, you know, we're obviously going through a huge pandemic and so things will be affected right now. But just to get, get an idea, I think 10 years ago, you 85% of your portfolio was retail. That's dropped to uh, 35% or 35% now. But you were telling me that even just in the last 15 months, it dropped by 10% from 45 yeah, to 35. Yeah. Is, what are you seeing? What's, you know, Obviously, we're seeing shops being closed, uh, businesses going bust. What What are you seeing as as a landlord, uh, having probably more uh, internal conversations with these guys? What's going on? Uh, we're seeing a mixture of good, bad, and ugly. Um, ugly. Um, I think you were on a call that I did uh, earlier on in, in in the pandemic. We had to cope with JD Sports putting one of their subsidiaries through a prepack. I was talking about Prince Charles doing it. Um, and um, so JD Sports, a, a company capitalised at three and a half billion pounds or something mental um, in order to save 30 million quid of, of, of commitments. They put their go outdoors business through a, through a prepack. Um, and basically the landlords are the ones that, that end up footing the, footing the bill. Um, so I find that a huge injustice. And I think that the insolvency laws need to be changed and need to be changed very quickly. Go Outdoors um, is back in business. We are trying to negotiate a new deal with them. Um, and if we do, we do. And if we don't, we do have a plan B for that particular property. Um, 
But as an example, JD Sports only announced last week um, they went and bought a, a, a multiple shoe business in California for, I think, nearly $350, $400 million. Um, and I think that, you know, if, if, if a company has an event of insolvency around it, I think there should be some respectable period of time before they're allowed to go and start expanding again. Because um, yep. it feels yep. a bit like, you know, the landlords are paying. Uh, it's heads they win, tails we lose. Um, we had Boots the Chemist who hadn't paid us any rent uh, since Boxing Day last year. Um, wow. We took them to court um, and uh, we've agreed terms for them to, to, to pay. Um, it's subject to a confidentiality clause. I'm not going to tell you the, the terms of what we've agreed, but um, it's, there, there is a, a moratorium in place. I don't know if you're aware of this or your other listeners are aware of this, that um, landlords have been have had the uh, the choice of, of having to go for possession uh, and using eviction as, as pos for possession uh, in order to to collect debt. Um, I have to say that in the 38 years I've been at Town Centre, I can count on the fingers of one hand, and I don't need my thumb, um, the amount of times that we've used that as a tactic to get our debts paid. It's just so historic and and, and Victorian in its approach, that it's the last thing that you'd want to do. But what it means is those bigger companies know that if they don't pay their rent, there's only a limited way we can can, can get recourse. Um, and, and, and that's wrong. At the other end of the equation, as I walk out my office door down here in, in Marion Centre opposite, we've got a shoe repairer. Um, he applied for the local authority grant, which he got. And, and I came into the office one day and he said, oh, Edward, can I have a word with you? He's a mad keen Arsenal fan. Not, not that I hold that against um, <laughs> much, and and and, 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 I, and I chatted to him about it, and he was almost in tears um, that you know the business is closed, the students aren't. In Marion, we're very reliant on office workers and students for for our sort of retail uh, demographic, and um, he said, "I just can't afford to pay rent anymore." I said, "Well, don't." I said, "Don't pay any rent." This was September. I said, "Don't pay this quarter's rent." I said, and, and we'll talk to you at the end of December to see how you're doing and see what. And I said, we'll share the pain with you. You've paid every penny. You've been closed April, May, June or whatever. And yet you've paid 100% your rent, not taken one penny through your till. You know, we understand. And, and here's a guy who, who's, who's desperate to get his business back going. He's paid his rent in full and he's stuck. Um, and, and you wonder, who you would you rather help? Would you rather help Boots the Chemist or someone like that? And, and Yeah. You know, it, it, we've we've had all sorts of, of, of requests for help. Um, I mean, in the, the bottom line is we've collected about 80% of, of the rents um, that we're entitled to collect as cash. And we've deferred about another 6 or 7% and added it on either later or, or to be paid by a lease extension or whatever. Um, so we've worked with tenants where we can, but it's very tricky. And retail is, is not good. Um, Unfortunately, we don't own much property in and around London. Uh, we do own some. And, and the idea, I mean, I think as a rough rule of thumb, it, it's sort of 80%, 20%, that old rule. They do 80% of their trade in, in the 20% of the time in and around, yep. around Christmas. And, and for, for retail to be closed down the week before Christmas is, um, is just unbearable. And, um, and unfortunately, it's not been a nationwide ban. It's just a Southeast ban. But... The southeast is a quarter of the UK. You know, it's, it's what is it? Eighteen million people live in, in, in under tier four register, uh, regulations. Yes, a third, so, a third of the country, isn't it? And uh, know, so I, it, I agree. I mean, I agree. I agree. The impact must be huge for for them to have made for the government to have made the decision to do it. Um, you can only assume that there's, that there's good reason because the impact is so huge on the retail economy. Well, I know, um, and so I get to know the Leeds NHS Trust numbers. They send us, they have been sending us weekly bulletins. So I know last week the infection rate I think was 136 per 100,000 in Leeds, um, and it's crept up to 141 this week um, in, in, in Leeds. So it is on the rise, whereas per the previous six weeks it had just fallen each week. Um, and, and I mean, this new strain is, is, is clearly coming to Leeds. It's in Sheffield. It will be in Leeds already. Um, and, and I guess we're looking at, at some sort of lockdown. I had hoped that 
tier three, which is what Leeds is in, I mean, it's terrible for food and beverage, but um, tier three at least allows non-essential retail to open and it allows yeah. people. And I think town has been quite busy the last two or three days, but um, it is it is incredibly difficult to, to retail, um, to be closed and hampered at a time like this. And, and there is no choice. I think the government have done a poor job of communicating it. I think that there were far better ways, um, but they're probably damned if they do and damned if they don't. Um, what's know, the, this time last what's week, the, I was expecting Leeds to be in tier two. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. What's the footfall yeah. been like in the Merrion Centre then? We're down about two thirds, so we're running at about thirty-five percent of normal. Wow, wow! Um, but the retailers, I mean, M and S, M and S. We've got M and S in, in Manchester. Um, they've been telling us that they're trading pretty well on 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 food and discount. They're trading pretty well. Um, on anything else, I'm not sure. Morrison's that we've got in Marion Centre said that they've had, you know, a, 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 a very acceptable last two or three weeks as compared to last year. Um, and we've heard a similar sort of reports from, from uh, home bargains in Iceland. So um, the essential retail, that, and, and that's why Marion is, is, is quite uh, sort of um, uh, resistant and, to, to these sort of things because we've, we've, we've got um, quite a densely populated um, residential population nearby. Um, so Merriam is visited uh, regularly and, and essential retail has done well uh, in this time. Um, well, I say it's done well, it's, it's done acceptably. Um, but it's I, tough, our car park business has had a really horrid time. I was about to ask you, I'm, I'm aware of time, but I, I, a couple of questions I wanted to get to. Um, the car parks, you know, uh, uh, you must have been hit massively on the car parks. Massively. But it recovers very, the car park business recovers very quickly. Um, right. We've, we were back to 60, 70% within two or three weeks of lockdown ending um, back in, in June. And, and particularly the London car parks were trading their socks off because people aren't using public transport. So uh, the... the the, the London car parts have done well. All the car parts have been trading okay, actually. Um, but I'm guessing, I'm guessing you've not been able have, to get grant. I'm guessing you're not being able to get grants to cover, you know, loss in earnings here. We have had no assistance whatsoever. We've had no assistance, and, and the retail, the, the retailers had a, a, uh, a rating holiday, um, and the car park business has been given no rating holiday whatsoever. So the only benefit we can get is if we close the car park. Um, we can claim empty rates for three months, um, which we have been. But as soon as you reopen, you start paying rates again. Whereas retailers had a, been given a twelve-month holiday. And and on the commercial side of the business, with you know B two B businesses, what uh, is there any impact there of people? You know, with regard to remote working, more people working from home. Are you starting to see and feel that? Where you no, know, uh, well, I always starting to see. I can see the offices are empty as I look out at Marion House. Um, it, it's sparsely occupied. Uh, we've just finished the refurbishment of a, of a building, 123 Albion Street, which is diagonally opposite Marion. It's known as the Cube, what's known as the Cube, um, where we're refurbishing the offices and, and um, we're hoping to have, to have re-let the, the empty space that we've created. Uh, we've got some good tenant interest in, in all the empty space. Um, so we're hoping to have re-let that, certainly by Easter. Um, and in Manchester, similarly, we had a couple of schemes that were underway when when uh, COVID hit, um, and the demand has been quite good. It's slow, it's difficult, and, but I do think that people are wanting to get back to work. They're wanting to get back to their offices. They're wanting to get back to normal. And there's a lot of business that you can do on Zoom. There's a lot of business that you can't. Yeah, and, and face to face is 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 just so much better. Yeah, of course. I think we're going to have to come to an end because I can see the time. Um, it's been, I could chat to you for uh, another hour. It's been fantastic. Um, and uh, what's been good is I, is I set out to get to know uh, Edward Ziff better. And uh, and you've certainly given me a great uh, backstory, which is uh, which is brilliant. It's, it's such a, uh, it's fascinating to hear. Uh, you Thank know, you very and much Thank you for listening. The successes are, are just brilliant, uh, and we've and I think we only covered about ten percent of them, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, we covered them all, and, and I've them up a bit. 
if you have been watching or listening, thank you for listening. Uh, and um, please join us again for the next one. Uh, Edward Ziff, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, and, Happy um, New Year to you, to, to you and all your listeners. And, and, and to you. Uh, a healthy, um, peaceful and, and, and maybe prosperous one if we're half lucky. <laughs> and hopefully, yes, a far better one. Uh, yeah. Take care, everyone, and we will see you, you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much indeed. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleek.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon. Bye.